This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. And we've got special guest, superhero agent Paul Haratunian in the house. And again, we work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. And we've got Paul on today for a major case study that we want to share because this is the thing that everyone's been talking about in the marketplace. Do people... How do they win these multiple offer situations? What do you look for? He had a home he recently sold, had 16 offers submitted, 16 offers. So 16 people made offers on the home. How do you even like decide who gets the house? How does that work? Because this is what all the buyers want to know. So, Paul, why don't you take it from here? I kind of set the expectation because obviously the sellers are my clients and what's best for them is what we're doing. So I let them know that, hey, you know. With this much activity that we might be expecting, go away for the weekend. Don't be in the house. (laughs) Don't decline any showings. Um, And then set the expectations about communication. So, you know, hey, I'm going to, you know, touch base with you once or twice this weekend, but I'm going to have to let this roll out and let's get everybody in, uh, you know, and we'll take a look at everything on Tuesday and we'll get back to everybody Wednesday. Super helpful. Helps the buyers. They have time to get in. They're not panicked. They have time to put the offer together the right way. Um, we also held an open house. So that got actually 50 groups through on that open house. And then with the showings, you know, with as many showings, we had over 50 showings that helps all those people get through and evens the playing field. So everybody can get in. And then lastly, um, just communication over the weekend. Like I said, you know, let's talk, enjoy your time. You've been stressed. You've been getting the house prepped, go enjoy yourselves. We're going to talk Tuesday night and we'll let everybody know. So that's a 16% offer rate if you were keeping track. That is bananas. So you had 100 people through with the open house and with the scheduled tours. And obviously, there's a lot to navigate there because it's overwhelming. I mean, there was probably more than one strong offer that the seller would have accepted, right? Absolutely. So, you know, again, again, with communication and it's communication with these buyer agents. I know they're out there. They're busting their hump. They're trying to get the offers included. So one of the things I will always do. I don't care if it's a stupid question, if it's a text or a call or an email, I get back to everybody. And number one, I remind them, please take a look at the presentation of offers, which is in the listing. But, um, you know, just to communicate with them, because sometimes, you know, they're running and they're just doing their thing. So I want to make sure that they get what they need so they can put the offer forward. Um, And it, it worked out well. I mean, there was nobody that didn't get in and everybody's questions got answered. And I think that's why we had the response that we had. So it was it was all good. Well, well, you did your job is why you had the response that, 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 that you had. So to give the audience some perspective, what was the price point of this home? What kind of property was it? Let's not give away the address or anything sure. like that. Sure. But because not every part of the market is this competitive. And then I'm going to have a couple follow ups and stays. Obviously, jump in if you got anything as well. I'm sure there's some stuff you want to know here, too. So the house was um, sitting on about a quarter of an acre, had a pool, uh, three bedrooms, uh, finished basement. Uh, very well done, very well maintained, very loved. They did, uh, you know, the kitchen, they just had redone in the bathroom. So um, home showed really well. And um, the buyers that were coming through, um, one of the things that, you know, some of the questions that they had, um, you know, were just specific to the home itself. But I just answered all their questions and then how to vet through 16 of the offers, much to our credit for our team and our back office, it's really intimidating, you know, so you, you can vet by pricing and then terms and then you say final and best and then they leave escalation clauses in there. So you almost need like this giant map to mm-hmm. figure it out. Uh, and that's exactly what we did. <laughs> so uh, we were able to present all of the offers in a manner that the sellers could look at them laid out. And then uh, our back office produced a spreadsheet that had everything. And it was I was able to negotiate what they wanted to do in about 20 minutes. So, wow. so 20 minutes, that's pretty, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I'm proud of you. Um, Cause that, that's a lot to deal with. So yeah. what, what was the asking price on the home? The asking price was 395, 395. So that, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, does that surprise you, Stacey? Right. It's kind of like yeah. right in that part of the market Sweet there. Spot. Yep, exactly. So now, now you shared something with me and, and I know some of the details here. So we did all the marketing actions. You broke it down in an easy to digest format for the seller, which helps them. Cause you really are looking for a couple key things. Yeah. Price, terms, timing, contingencies, or lack of. 
how how did the seller ultimately get to the decision? Like how did how did that all play out? Because I'm sure there were some that were pretty close and pretty identical in in in, in a lot of ways. So right. how did that all work? So once everything was uh, presented in a form that they can easily take a look at, I gave them about an hour or two to review everything, and I said, "I will help you through this. Don't get overwhelmed. We have we'll, we'll vet it down to a handful, and then we'll we'll focus on those." And that's exactly what we did. And I it's it's almost like, "Hey, what's what's the idea of the house you have?" And what's the, and we we matched up to the exact one. Awesome. So. I mean, Stace, you've been in this position before with multiple offers. And I know, Paul, well, you've not, done it a not lot. 16, well, not 16. That's impressive. Well, there's a big number. That's why I wanted to yeah, talk about this huge. because you hear these stories all the time from people all across the country, 40, 50, 60 offers. Yeah. This is one of the higher numbers I've, I've heard of right. here in our marketplace from us doing business. So when you've been in these situations, I mean, how, how do you explain this to the sellers and how do you keep your buyers calm when they're competing with so many people? So again, communication and, you know, being respectful to them. So I, I literally answered every text or every email that, that, that came in and phone calls. So um, I also went back knowing that the handful that were going to be at the top, I just asked them a couple key, key questions that would be like, hey, if you're here, or can you do X or would you adjust one or two of these terms to get the house? So I got some verbals on that and I said, well, that's awesome. So what I would like you to do is fix that up so it's in front of me so I can just sign. And those people did that. So the only thing we had to do really when we were discussing was literally put it forward in front of them and it was done. It wasn't going back to anybody or tweaking or adjusting and going into the night trying to get an agreement to sale sign. So it, it went perfectly. Sounds like he was extremely, you just had everything organized and, and help from the back office too, who just are truly amazing. To the back office. But it's so... Like, I don't even hear the stress in your voice. Like, <laughs> I don't know, sifting through 16 offers and if they would start to all look the same to me, I and I would be stressed just seeing things hit in my inbox. Um, but it seems like the way you handled it, everything was so well done and under control and smooth. Well, credit to the team training because <laughs> you could lose your mind through that weekend worrying about that. And I really just responded to who needed to be responded to. I knew I would have the the support from the back office and got it all together and presented it and it went it went well and they're extremely happy. Terrific. When you set the right expectation, right? And and, and when you hear all these things are happening, you get this many offers and 100 I mean 100 showings is, is bananas and letting the sellers know, "Hey, here's when you're going to be here from me." And letting the buyers agents know the same thing. I saw the offer instructions sent out. One of the things I loved is that there was a due date and then there was, hey, we'll get back to you by this time. Because what happens a lot, I found, and you've probably gone through this, is you don't know when you're going to hear back. And then right. people are calling you, texting you, emailing you. It's constant. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was a really smart thing you did. And that's like that Chris Voss training we talk about where trust is built on certainty when they know they're going to hear from you again. So that was a really great thing you did. Um, so I got a question for you, Stacey, because you've been on the other end of this a lot. And so have you, Paul. But, yeah. but uh, what, do you, what do you tell your buyer in that situation? Yeah, it's tough keeping them calm because they just want to know. They they want to know because basically, for the most part, they put their lives on hold for a couple of days and they're just on pins and needles waiting to see if their offer is accepted. And I just went through that experience this weekend. And uh, of course, we didn't get our offer accepted. But the, the part that um, I thought was not so professional was the extension, the date of of the hearing back. <laughs> of the agent getting back to us kept getting extended and extended and extended. And you did not do that. You know, that, like you said, trust, you know, and set the expectations, but, and that's what really irked my buyer. And I really had to try to keep them calm. Um, but the extension of the deadlines and the extensions of their, the sellers making a decision, it can be tough out there. It's, it's a, you know, a little wild. Yeah, really super key point because I've had situations where literally the buyers are getting physically set waiting and it's not fair. It's and, and if you, you, you say you're going to do something, do it. And mm -hmm. then, you know, because we're going to run into these uh, other agents and work together, you know, in the future. Absolutely. So, you know, and, and you have that respect and, and uh, right. you know, moving forward. So. Exactly. so question for both of you guys here, because this is going to happen again. Mm -hmm. Right. So. On the sell side, how can you set yourself up to have this kind of result? And 16 is, 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 is an incredible number. 
how do you get multiple offers, meaning more than one, right? So what, what advice would you have for sellers, Paul, because just went through this, and Stacy on the purchase side, when you're navigating it, what advice would you have for buyers that want to buy a home like this, maybe are a little afraid of the competition? So Paul, why don't, why don't you start first? So I would say to the sellers, like, you know, again, not all of them are going to be like this, but if you can go away, it's not a bad idea because literally every single one of these showings got confirmed. Set the expectation about communication. I'm going to check in with you once on the weekend and then just let this ride out. You know, you're in good hands and we will figure this out and we'll present it so you have enough time and we'll get through it and uh, move forward. So everybody will be able to get through. Everybody will be happy until they realize <laughs> they're not getting the house or not. But that was that was the key. Well, and just imagine having 100 people come through your home and you're trying to go sleep there at night. I mean, that that's it, yeah. it, it's it gets a little stressful in, in a way that's uncomfortable for a lot of people. So I'm clear that's a great thing to do is have those that get 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 away, take a take a weekend off, especially, you know, the, coming off of the COVID-19 pandemic where a lot of people weren't able to go away for the weekend at all. So you didn't have a choice to do that. So I love that advice. Stacy, what about the buyer that wants a home and is either afraid of competition or just gets intimidated by hearing? There's more than one offer because I've heard that from yeah. a lot of people. And, and I know it's and, and ultimately it could be the right home for them or the home they're going to be the most happy in. Mm -hmm. And they need some coaching along the way to get guidance to get into the property. So what do you say to those folks? Well, that is key. It's the coaching and guidance to get them into the home. So you really have to sit down with your buyer and explain the situation, explain the options, explain some strategies, because there's like Paul said, it's not just price. There's the terms, there's other conditions um, that go into crafting the perfect offer. So they have to, buyers have to be aware of that. They had to have to be made aware of that. They don't know how often mm -hmm. do people buy homes. You know, it's not every day. So sitting down with your agent, going over all the information um, and having that knowledge, and then they can feel comfortable with the offer that they're going to present. I think, and I, always, I am always, always, always. Put the offer in because you don't know. So many times, it just happened again this weekend, <laughs> case study. My buyer, he said to me, he loved the home. He says, oh, do you think it's worth putting an offer in? Because he already was rejected. Mm -hmm. Of course it's worth putting an offer in. Let's do it. Guess what? We did it. Got his offer accepted. Practice what you teach. Because you, you always <laughs> yep. have said that. And sometimes, you know, they just never know. Just put it forward. Just put is it, it forward. worth putting forward? I said to a few other, of course it is. Just put it forward because yep. you never know. Sometimes the house is so hot, they'll be, they'll be like, oh, you have, I'm sure you have tons of offers mm -hmm. and nothing's coming through. Mm -hmm. So put it forward. Exactly. Exactly. Well, th th that is critical advice because th there's some data and we're going to actually talk about this in the next segment here a little bit what's happening in the market. But we've been talking about this for a while that there's a six to eight week period right now where- People are going on vacation again. Remember vacations? They haven't, didn't have any for 15 months, right? You have vacation spending. Nine out of 10 Americans are ready to go travel again. And that's a big jump from where we were this time last year, where you know, right around the 4th of July, we were kind of coming out of the Pennsylvania statewide lockdown. Mm -hmm. uh, additionally, inventories ticked up 20%. Even though it's only two-tenths of a month, it's 20%. So that's a big number. So we're seeing these economic indicators that we're on like the forefront of a shift. And we're going to have an amazing guest on next week. I'm going to plug this here. David Childers from Keeping Current Matters is going to talk about everything going on in the market and what he sees happening. And he is like the oracle of real estate. That's what his company is paid to do. So that's a really great point because the last people to often know about these shifts are the consumers. And that's where it's our job to make sure they know exactly what's going on. And this is the kind of training that we offer. So you know, if you're thinking about getting into real estate, Check out our real estate scholarship program. It's realestatescholarshipprogram.com. All the information's there. Don't have a license, not a problem. So more importantly, so you know what to do with buyers. You know what to do with sellers. Have you ever been in a situation where has there been a time over the past six months where your, your buyers kind of regret it or your seller kind of regret it not doing what's going to be the best way for them to benefit in this market? And, and like, what's been the reaction for that? Because I'm sure there's people listening right now that are on the fence. They're a little nervous. They're outside their comfort zone. They want to buy a home over the next couple months or the few years. So what advice do you have? And let's keep it seller buyer here, just because I think it's a good dynamic. The seller that wants to cash out now and maybe retire or get into something smaller, or the buyer that's maybe afraid to jump into the market and wants to wait till it calms down. We know that there's data that indicates they're going to be waiting a while. And there's a lot of money on the line here, about $100,000 worth of equity based on some keeping current uh, matters data I got over the past couple weeks. 
What do you say to those people that are listening right now that are on the fence, but deep down know it's the right move for them? Because I'm clear there's a lot of those consumers out there right now. Right. So on the south side, I would say to them that, hey, we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know what's going to happen in, in far in the future to an extent. But if this was your plan in the last, you know, in the next you know, three to four or five years, it's probably a good idea to do this now because this is it. And if there's nowhere to go or there's no plan B, well, maybe you get some temporary housing right now, benefit from the equity in your home that you've built and trust over all these years. And then you'll be in a position to figure out where you want to go and, 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 and do it that way is, would be my suggestion. Love it. So if you're a seller, write that down and then get in touch. Stacey, what about you on the purchase side? Because I know that we're running into the same thing. Yeah. On the purchase side, um, I can't stress enough that it is a great time to get into the market, uh, even with the competition, because again, the interest rates are still incredibly low and you're going to experience appreciated value month over month for the rest of this year. Uh, a couple more case studies. I was working with a number of couples late last fall um, and they decided to not purchase. They thought the market was too crazy. They didn't want to overpay. Mm -hmm. So they get back into the market this spring and it's the same homes that they were looking at in the same areas are forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 higher. So if they would have just stuck to their plan and purchased last fall, they would have been enjoying that appreciated value this year. So, um, and they are still not ready to look or ready to purchase now. They're still going to wait because they think the values are coming down. But yes, I would say it's a great time to jump in. You're going to enjoy the uh, low interest rates um, financing your home, and you're still going to get the uh, appreciated value month over month. Well, and, and what I'm hearing here is that if you're in a position where you're ready to make a real estate decision, don't let the market scare you off. That, that, that's what's coming through from both of you here. And you're working with a ton of clients. I think between the two of you have helped almost 100 people over the past 12 months. Uh, don't wait because you're trying to outthink the market because your life may change. Like, mm -hmm. Imagine that, you know, you're that, that, that couple that is, has a baby on the way and they're already bursting at the seams. Well, it, it's not going to get any better. You're not you're not going to have magically more space in your home. Right. If you're worried about maintenance and you're downsizing, it's only going to get harder to maintain the house. If that's a concern that you have and, you know, or if you don't like where you live, you're probably not going to like it anymore a couple of years from now. And it's going to be a little more challenging. So, you know, the advice I always have given people and I know we, we, we talk about it all the time here at our team is if you want to make the move, do it for the reason for yourself. And then the market's going to be there or not be there, depending on it. There's always opportunities. I mean, we were just talking about this before mm -hmm. the show, Paul and I, about some opportunities that materialized for some buyers over the past 12 months that you wouldn't think would happen. But those people made the offer, like Stacy, you talked about. They took action and they actually followed the guidance of someone that knows the market inside and out. And I, to me, that's the biggest thing. When you think you know more than the experts, you probably don't and you're going to make a bad decision. And this right. is legal, accounting, anything. There's a reason why professionals are there. So Get some expert advice, understand what's happening on the local level in terms of exactly where you want to move to and just, just figure it out. And then once you get the data, then you can make an informed decision instead of trying to speculate and go against the grain for what everyone else is saying. Knowledge is power. Yep. Knowledge is power. The more you know, right? Remember those things? Know. All right, Paul, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having uh, me. Very great case study. When we come back, we've got a couple stories we're going to hit on about the Zillow of mortgages getting launched. I've got some inside baseball on that and a story from Market Watch that says the housing market might hit bottom soon. I'm calling BS on that. We'll talk more <laughs> about it as we get into this. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. And again, we work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. And if you got questions for us while we're on the show, the email address is info at tooltimeradio.com. And there's an E at the end of tool. So this next story here, I feel like I actually have something more than the article to bring to the table, which is very exciting for me um, and, and bringing some inside baseball. So. You've heard of Zillow, right, Stacey? Of you know course. what Zillow is, right? <laughs> Living under a Zillow. rock if you haven't. <laughs> right. uh, so the former president of Zillow, Greg Schwartz, um, he is 
come he has has a financial tech startup called Tomo, and they just got seventy million dollars in seed funding, and they launched in three markets. Uh, it's in Houston, Dallas, and Seattle, where they tend to test a lot of this stuff. It's usually like Pacific Northwest um, or you know Texas, Florida, those kind of states. And what they are doing, um, and and I've I, I actually had the chance to see him speak in Dallas at a Tom Ferry event. Uh, last month or about two months ago now. And he explained what his idea was behind this because very recently, if you have been following what's going on with Zillow, so they have a new CEO. Um, he's the, he was the old president under Spencer Raskoff, the previous CEO. And anytime there's a new CEO, it's like when a sports team has leadership change, everybody gets fired, right? And that's, he, he got bought out. They didn't come out and say that. I'm clear he got paid. Um, that's not really the point. So, their whole premise here is to basically be the Zillow of mortgages is what I'm seeing. Um, now it's, uh, the, the, and they talk about how they're going to stand out. So Tomo's a mortgage company to be very clear. And there's a lot of problem with financing right now, right? I mean, you're having a lot of issues, aren't you? Yes. So let's talk about some of the issues yes. and then we can talk about what Tomo's business plan here is. Cause I'm, I'm pretty interested in this. Some of the issues, um, appraisal, appraisals not being ordered or ordered late. Um, <laughs> The number one issue is appraisal. No yeah, question. underwriting, like it, paperwork gets bogged down somewhere in underwriting and you can never find anybody to talk to. Um, the response times are, are poor. Uh, so there's there's a lot of issues uh, with financing. Well, and, and what happens is it delays settlements, right? People totally. don't close on time or there's some someone drops the ball and there's no accountability. Mm-hmm. And I don't use the word accountability lightly. And one of the things Greg mentioned here um, is that it's not the mistakes aren't on the realtor and they're not on the consumer. It's on us. And I have never heard a mortgage company actually come out and say that. You're right. I mean, like never. And and I've been doing this a long time. So have you. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of experience here and they just don't take accountability. So uh, I I had the chance to uh, see Greg kind of talk about the the launch of this. And and I'm going to ask you some questions here. So what he came out and said when I saw him down in Dallas at the Tom Ferry event was, Sloppy real estate transactions will be extinct. They are going to guarantee okay. they close on time. Right. And I saw that. Well, wow. this, this is wild because he, and he's quoted in the article saying the same thing here that if an, uh, we just want to close on time every single time, that is a company mandate. I would be excited to work with that company just it, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, but but that that sort of mentality, that tells me they're serious because what happens when you don't close on time? You got movers lined oh, up. Oh, every everybody's life is disrupted, life is disrupted on yeah. both sides. Mm-hmm. If it's a, if, especially if it, you know buy and sell transactions, it's, it's crazy. If the um, everything, if, even a day. I mean, if you're if you're moving closing date one day, you might as well move it two weeks. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. If you have to line up movers, utilities, things like that. Well, what, what if you don't have a place to live and you had to sell your home to buy the next home, and then right. all of a sudden you're moving in with your in laws? Exactly. I mean, that's not most people's dream. So. Mm-hmm. Or anything they even want to consider doing, or they may not have anywhere to move, and 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 then they go to a hotel, mm-hmm. and let's say it's like a family of five going to a hotel. That's a nightmare. Can you imagine that? Oh I, I can't imagine that right. because I've done it and it's horrible. <laughs> right. um, so, it, but it's rough, and and you don't know where you're going to be able to stay, and it's expensive. And, yes. and I mean, and and the mortgage company will never pay for those costs. They're like, no. oh, sorry guys. Yeah, and a lot of finance companies act or I shouldn't say act like, but it, it's just, this is just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And you kind of, everybody has to accept it as this is the way it is. Well, you'll just have to extend closing date, you know, push mm-hmm. it back a couple of days. Why, why do we accept that? So this is kind of interesting, this concept. But they here. needed someone to come into the marketplace and be able to actually come through on the other end. And, and right. the, a lot of problem is with these big banks, they just don't care. And they're like, we're going to do enough business anyway, or they feel like they hold all the cards. Yep. So, um, so they're going to guarantee closing on time. Um, and, you know, that that to me was something that I, I, I found really interesting. And that, that he came out and said that before this article even came out. And he's quoted in here saying it's not on the realtor. It's not on the consumer. It's on us. Um, and they're still going to close. If the docs weren't reviewed or the appraisal wasn't ordered, they're going to portfolio the loan and they'll put it on their balance sheet. How about that? I mean, that that's putting your money where your mouth is. Because it's great right. to say we're going to close on time every time, but actually doing it. Now, again, we'll see how this plays out, but this is exciting to me because Mm -hmm. just like real estate has been disrupted nonstop for the past three or four years, Mm -hmm. it's happening in the mortgage world where I'm clear they need some disruption because there's too many 
you said acceptance of, well, this is the way it goes, or this is right. how we've always done it. Right. So, right. What I love is that they're going to provide fully underwritten mortgage pre-approvals, underwritten mortgage pre-approvals mm-hmm. in hours. So, so what does that mean for someone who's listening right now and doesn't know what that means? I think it's important to give some perspective here because we tend to talk about in, in like real estate jargon sometimes. So that means you're not just getting um, pre-qualified, which is based on, you know, a, a very topical finance, financial conversation with uh, a financial institution and they issue you a pre-qualification letter that hasn't been fully vetted. Um, your pre-approvals are more vetted. Um, so, you know, there's some credit, uh, your credit scores have been run, some more in-depth financials, but this is fully underwritten mortgage pre-approvals. Mm-hmm. So it's it's going through underwriting, which is a more comprehensive look at the finances. So, and they're doing it in hours. So typically underwriting takes a much longer time, mm-hmm. time frame. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, he, and what he's quoted in saying here is the key to that is to underwrite it first, do it early, mm-hmm. do it accurately to reduce labor costs. So then if they do have to eat, uh, or not, maybe not eat is the right word, but they do have to put a loan on their balance sheet, they're putting something on there they feel confident in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and there's no data behind this, but the, he's also stated as saying, we think that many institutions lose 10 to 15 per, uh, basis points on half their loans because they're doing last minute rushes. And given how many last minute rushes we've had seen, it seems like every one is a last minute. Rush. Yeah. So I, I, it might even be more than that. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the concept here, um, I mean, I, I love the concept and, you know, there, you know, he, he goes on to talk about um, you know, launching in Dallas, Houston and Seattle, because those are some of the hardest markets in the country, which I would, I would agree with because they're seeing, High growth, mm-hmm. high demand. Man, I think everybody's moving to Texas right now. If I they're think not moving you're right. to Florida. Right. And Seattle's a very progressive housing market as well, or where, the, where the, the, there's constant development going on, very different than where we are here because the city's pretty much the city at this point. And anything you're, you're, that, that's getting built is either like a teardown or a parking lot. There's not those opportunities mm-hmm. where there's more land available to expand the community. So I like that they're going to the hardest market first. Um, so, I mean, what do, what do you think about all this? I mean, there's a lot of good stuff here, and they, they've gotten funding. They have have the closing guarantee, which I love. I mean, mm-hmm. what does this mean for the market? Like, what what, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I think it's, it's great for consumers um, because they'll have a choice, and they'll be able to hopefully – I mean, we'll see how this all pans out. But um, hopefully with the whole underwriting pre-approval process, a lot of the heavy lifting is going to be done right up front. So – for sellers or sellers agents, um, when you get offers and you have like Tomo listed as your mm-hmm. <laughs> as your lender, you know that this is somebody who's been already underwritten. You know the underwriting process has been done. You can rest assured that it's going to be guaranteed financing, pretty much. That's mm-hmm. how I understand this. Um, for buyers um, that have are using their services, again, you can be sure that there's not going to be last minute, oh, well, we need this and we need that, or, oh, we can't, you know, we, we won't be able to finance you like three weeks into a deal. Yeah. So this is going to bring, well, forget three um, weeks. Assurance. How about the day before you're supposed yeah, to close? Exactly. I mean, that's happened. That's happened to me. And, and well, with having, having other approvals in place, yes. but I mean, this is, this happens to people that know what they're doing, understand the market. And then the, the, the mortgage company just either doesn't do their job in the first place, which right. is, what you know, Greg talks a lot about here, and and which why you know he is. I'm clear this is going to be a successful business because he's solving a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the the lending industry is, I mean, it's 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 messed up. I mean, it, there's there's a broken process there. So, uh, you know, and, and it's supposed to be exciting and fun, not this torturous right. sort of thing that that, that that goes on. So I, I do agree with you there. So other parts of this article I find pretty interesting. So they're going to be partnering with Tom Ferry Coaching. How about that? So, well, and and I, I think what they're doing is, uh, you know, if you're going to say, well, we're going to deliver this great lending experience, you got to have a good agent on the other side. And obviously, right. we're big proponents of Tom Ferry. You know, he's changed our business in, in, in many ways. They do get good training. They do have the ability to vet people. And they produce more than other agents. And, you know, just understanding the market a little better than these people that come in and don't know anything. I, I think that's, that's going to be equally important because you can have a great lender and a bad realtor, and it doesn't mm-hmm. go well for the consumer. Right. You can have a great realtor and a bad lender who's like their like best friends, like second cousin, 
And that could be bad for and and it all comes back on the real order. I find in the I, I, no matter what happens, it's always our fault, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. But having the right kind of lending team behind you is going to be pretty important. It's like white glove service here. Yes, from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, it's a stressful process, right? Because totally. if you don't know what's going on, then it, then it's going to be a problem. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I see this as a big benefit for the consumer. Mm-hmm. How long do you think it's going to take for this to expand throughout the country? Are we going to see like Tomo next week? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. what what do you what do you think is going to happen here? Well, they're launching now, so it, I guess it really depends. Um, I know they have, you know, they have the support in place, uh, and they want. From what I'm understanding from this article, they want to be sure in these tough markets first um, that things are going to go well and that they can deliver what they're promising here, and then they're going to expand out. So I'm I'm hoping. I mean, the way things go today, especially with these tech companies, um, maybe in a year in our local market. I think that I think that's probably exciting. a fair assessment. And mm-hmm. well, you know what I also know too, it usually takes longer for these things to roll out too. Now, given the demand that's out there, if they're going to be able to have this closing guarantee, mm-hmm. and this is something Greg said in the article, um, if they're having a closing guarantee, and you're on the listing side and you're presenting an offer, and let's say everything equal, one is going with a company like this, and one's going with a big box company that is notorious yeah. for doing the exact opposite. Right. How are you going to advise your clients? I would totally advise them to the knowledge of Tomo. They have pre-vet, pre-approved with underwriting, and this is guaranteed to close. Whereas we don't know big box mm-hmm. because um, you know you can Google them. You can see there's you know just Google complaints about things and they might pop up. We we don't know. So do you want to deal with the unknown or do you want to deal with the guarantee? pretty easy yeah and, and and greg actually says he, he's clear that this closing guarantee will give buyers an edge and he's skeptical that the demand for cash offer services is sustainable um from the buyer's perspective where they like you go out and you, you say oh i'm making a cash offer with these like i buyer companies and, and different things that are out there mm-hmm. and you know I, I, don't, I don't know how sustainable that's going to be if the market starts to come back to normal levels of appreciation not mm-hmm. this incredible 10 13 percent year over year number that we've been seeing here so uh and then kind of the last the uh the last thing i find interesting is they aren't offering refinancing right um i saw that too uh and that's great their focus is going to be on mortgages so they want to do one thing better than anybody else in the market so sometimes if you're splitting yourself into you know, three, four, five, six different segments, you can't do one thing super, super well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, their main focus is going to be the mortgages, which I kudos to them for doing that. What I find interesting is that the purchase money mortgage is the harder business to get. The refinance business, that's the low hanging fruit. And the fact that they're not doing that, you know, refinancing your home's easy. You ever mm-hmm. refinanced your home? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's much easier than buying, right? And, it's, and especially the mortgage application when you're buying a home. Um, so if they're going to get really good at one thing, and we know that's obviously the way to build a business and scale a business is get really good at one thing, master it, and then go to the next one. Mm -hmm. I'd imagine they probably might do refinances in the future, but maybe not right now. Um, and, and they said they're not going to offer refinancing and I get that as a new company, but you know, the the quote here is we're going to keep our eyes focused on the things we think will create sustainable value for us, our investors, our customers, partner agents. And being amazing at refi isn't among the top four or five things we think we have to be world class at. You got to pick and choose who you're going to be and what you're going to be best at. And we choose to be best at purchase mortgages. And that's the more stressful one. because That's with the moving mm-hmm. parts. You know, yeah. the refinance you're already in the house. I right. mean, right. so the moving parts are there. You have all the coordination going on that the closing date means something. Mm-hmm. And a refinance, it may not. I mean, it could. I'm not saying it could, but n- most not of the time, as, it's, not yeah. as, it's not as critical. Mm-hmm. So... Um, and they got $70 million behind them. I mean, I, I mean, that's the, you know, that, and you know, and you you look where it it came from a couple of different places, but you know, it's, uh, led by Ribbit Capital along with DST Global and FX, SVV Capital and Zig Capital. So, I mean, they, they, there's a lot of confidence there. It's not like a one-off, um, one, one-off situation. So, you know, my view here is this is something that if it, if this is executed, like he says, it's going to be executed. This could be the disruptive. This could be totally. this could be the Zillow of mortgages, mm-hmm. or the Google of mortgages, whatever you want to call it. Now mm-hmm. I'm curious how it's all going to go, how it's going to look. You know, are they going to are they going to rate everybody? Because mm. 
when I saw Greg in Dallas, he said, I'm not going to say the name of the company he was let go from. So he definitely had some sour grapes there. And that's okay, because I think the way people get turned over like that in companies where it's like, all right, everybody's gone now that there's someone new here. I don't know if that's necessarily the right thing to do, uh, but it happens. And you know, I'm clear he's probably on a mission to come back to the market with something else. Um, similar to the way that uh, Spencer Raskoff, he's, uh, I can't think of the name of the company. Let me look it up here. So he's the former CEO, obviously. And um, he's uh, he's got all sorts of things that he's coming out with. Um, there's one in particular about uh, vacation properties. Hold on, I got to find this hmm. here. Where you can buy an eighth of a vacation home. An eighth? An eighth of a vacation home. Wow. Um, kind of like timeshare, but not. Yeah, it, 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 it Picasso is what it's called. Um, and they raised 75 million. So, I mean, uh, you wow. know, it's, and I think for some people, like how often do they really use their vacation home? But to me, these, these guys know real estate. I mean, they took Zillow from a website people liked, and then now it's this dominant juggernaut of a, of a company. Mm -hmm. And now there's a, there's a new CEO there. That's fine. All good. I, I do see value in both of these things, especially the way people appreciate second home. So my, my anticipation is knowing Greg, and I don't, I don't know him well, if this executes the way he lays it out, they're already already saying, hey, we're going to partner with some of the best agents in the country. We're going to close on time. We're not going to do yeah, refinances. Like This this mm -hmm. is not rocket science here. Mm -hmm. It's going to be hard to pull off because there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of big money behind this, like Wells Fargo and Chase and all these companies. I, this could really change the the, the landscape for, for, for agents and for, and for the real estate community. Totally. I'm excited to see how it works in, in these three markets. Um, I love the line. We got to deliver mortgages on time and safely without drama. That's <laughs> that's key without drama and on time. So I'm really excited to see how this works out. Um, if you know, if if it's a boom for them, um, I'll be I could you know, we could use it in our business. I, sure. I think any any real estate agent would like that kind of service. You know, yes. my view of mortgage companies is you want them to be like the offensive lineman. Mm -hmm. Anytime you hear an offensive lineman's name get called in the football game, mm -hmm. it's because he let a sack up or he made a mistake <laughs> and the quarterback just got destroyed. So you don't want to hear about these guys. It, it's not, it's not they're, they're not just like, we're not the star of the transaction. Neither is the mortgage company. Mm -hmm. It's all about the consumer and the client. We're here to guide them. Mm -hmm. They're here to guide them financially Unfortunately, it doesn't usually go that way because they right. get combative, they get difficult. I mean, it's just it's the way the way things have been going. Mm -hmm. So, good luck, Greg, on the uh, yeah. on on the Tomo uh, Tomo launch here. I mean, it sounds I, I think conceptually it's great. We'll see how it goes. I'll be thinking about you. Love the presentation in Dallas. So again, any questions, email us here. We're going to break into our third segment next, where we talk about the Market Watch article that talks about the housing market soon hitting bottom which, again, seems like a little <laughs> bit of clickbait to me. Right. We'll be back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. Welcome back to the final segment today on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. We work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Main Line, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. And... What we want to share with you now is another piece of real estate news, more market-related from a macro level uh, throughout the country. And this article came out uh, last week, um, right at the end of the month. And I hate headlines like this, by the mm -hmm. way. It says, pending home sales surge hit higher, but economists warn that the housing market could, quote, soon hit bottom. Whatever that means. Whatever. What What is bottom? What well, does that mean? <laughs> I, there's some There's some fear mongering going on here yep. for sure. Um, and you know, and, and Jacob Passy is who wrote this. It comes from Market Watch. Then when you read the article, um, so let me give you some highlights from it. Then we can talk about if this is even makes any sense or not. More Americans signed on the dotted line to buy a home last month, but the factors that have tested the nation's housing market are likely to eat in sale eat into sales in the months to come. Pending home sales rose 8% in May compared with April, according to NAR, National Association of Realtors. And the economist polled by MarketWatch projected a 1% decrease for pending home sales in May. Um, so we'll, we'll get that data here um, shortly. You know, we just wrapped up the, the month of June here. Usually that hits about the 15th, so we can kind of talk about that next week. Uh, but then here, this is this is what happens. And we, we've, we actually did a YouTube video show about this because I knew this was going to happen. The next line in the article, compared with a year ago, pending home sales were up 13.1%, 
But at that time last year, home sales activity had fallen amidst the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. So, yeah, of course, the numbers aren't going to be the same as last year because we were locked in our houses. Right. And you couldn't even go show a home if you wanted to in Pennsylvania. Yep. So, you know, that that to me is, is is one thing. And then May increased compared to a slight decline nationally in April, according to Lawrence June, the chief economist at NAR. And because of where rates are and because of all this demand that's out there, I just don't see how this is possible. I don't I don't see this happening unless people get buyer fatigue mm-hmm. and are just totally out on the housing market. I don't see it happening. What, what do you think about all this? I don't see it happening. I mean, people have to move. They have to move for many different reasons. So even if they do have buyer fatigue, if you have to stay in it, if you if there's a need, if there's a motivation. So, yeah, I I don't. First of all, I don't know what they're talking about. Soon hit bottom. What's their projected bottom? Um, and again, I just I don't see how this is happening. Everything's, uh, you know, the numbers um, are very telling. And but these headlines, as you said, the clickbait, people just read that headline and then and never read the article. And they never read the article. And then, oh, and then. You know, they call in to inquire about a home. Oh, I I hear that, you know, the market's going to hit bottom soon. And based on this kind of headline. Mm-hmm. And then they don't want to go buy a house. And I, mean, right. I don't think people realize how damaging this stuff can be. Yes. yes. So, you know, what, what came out here, and then there was actually like a, like a, a summary at the bottom of this. So, um, you know, and then they go on to say in the article, by the way, they totally contradict themselves. The lack of housing inventory is limited how many sales can happen. Also driving up the price of homes. So prices are going up. Mm-hmm. The reason, you know, you're not seeing more sales because there's not enough inventory. Right. And, you know, rates have, they've danced around a little bit. I mean, everyone's mm-hmm. projected them to be up in like that 3.3 range by the end of the year, 3.4. Everyone, meaning the economists out there that get paid to do this stuff. Right. So, you know, th- that that's, there's some concerns about affordability. And then, and then he goes on to the, I guess this is what bottom means according to this article. We believe, and this is a quote from Ruben Gonzalez, the chief economist at Keller Williams. We believe existing home sales are going to see a much harder year-over-year comparisons for the remainder of the year, as the base for comparison moves away from the slump generated in the early months of the pandemic and into the surge of the home sales that followed. So, yeah, that's absolutely oh, okay. right <laughs> because we have a seasonal flow to the market, and we couldn't do anything for sixty days. Right. So the the numbers that were inflated, it's not what's going on right now. It was June, July, August of last year, mm-hmm. where typically, you know, summer's a little slower, especially if you get past the fourth because people are on vacation. They're getting ready to, to go back to school. And th- I, we, this is exactly what we talked about in the YouTube show we did on our on our uh, on our YouTube channel, where watch out for these headlines, because all mm-hmm. it's saying is that we're going to go back to a seasonal market. Right. Um, then he goes on to add. And then once I explain all this, I want to hear your take, Stacey. With the pressure of sales from the lack of inventory and rapidly rising prices, we are likely going to see sales moving towards single-digit year-over-year growth growth, and perhaps some year-over-year declines due to last year's divergence Mm -hmm. from normal seasonal patterns. Although we are beginning to see an improvement in the supply of existing homes for sale and the cost of materials moderate, which should lead to more new construction, a larger increase in supply is key to rebalancing the real estate market. And that comes mm-hmm. from uh, George, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name, George Radiu, uh, senior economist at realwater.com. So they're saying all the same stuff we're saying here, right. but they put this clickbait, click, spin uh, on this, it. Yeah, yeah, whatever you gonna, want, clickbait headline. Mm-hmm. So what do you what do you think about all this? I mean, is this accurate? What do, what do you think? Well, it's not accurate that, you know, the, the market's going to, hit bottom. That's, mm-hmm. that's not accurate at all. Um, yeah. And, and the indicators are that we have an uptick in inventory, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing for our clients. Yes. Um, so I don't see where that's a negative. I, I see that as a positive, the rapidly rising prices. Now that's going to level out too. We we've discussed that. Mm-hmm. We're not going to see the 15% increase yeah, yeah. that, that we've seen. Um, you know, and, and that's going to level out. So all these things to me are positive, positive for the consumers. Um, and with the uh, millennials still in the market, and they will be in the market for what three to four years, yep. um, I just don't see the, the market hitting bottom. Well, and, and we have data that actually contradicts all this. And it looks like the article contradicts itself. Right. Um, and then what I, the reason I say that is the demand that's out there right now 
it's going to take a few years to clear mm-hmm. all that out. And what's been happening in the market is that there are some people that are kind of saying, hey, I'm going to wait. We just talked about this in the first segment. Right. And it ends up costing them money. It so you know, saying things like this, this is a disservice to the community. Mm-hmm. This is a disservice to people in the real estate market because they're going to take this and say, oh, I'm, I sold this article. I'm going to wait. And we right. know that all the cheat, like the, the economists are actually saying something very different here. And this is what drives me nuts about headlines, drives me nuts, excuse me, is this sort of stuff. So for someone reading this, if you're a buyer or you're a seller, what advice do you have? Let's start with buyers first, because I think the buyers are the ones waiting for it to hit bottom, whatever that means. Right. What advice do you have for someone thinking about getting into the market in the next six to 12 months and they see something like this? Yeah. I, for buyers, they're going to read this and be like, well, yeah, I see. I'm going to wait until because I don't want to overpay. For my, I don't want to overpay mm-hmm. for real estate. So it's, you know, the market dictates what the price points are. Mm-hmm. And um, so you're not going to overpay, that's for sure. And the longer you wait, because um, it is expected, the values are expected to, um, to continue to increase, not at the pace that we've seen, but they are going to increase. And if the interest rates even tick up a little bit, so you'll end up paying more money for mm-hmm. your home, or you're going to have to get less home for yeah. your money. So they'll have a choice for buyers. But I think for buyers, um, I would not just read the headline and assume that that's what the article is about, any of these articles. Either continue to read the article in full or um, reach out to a, a very knowledgeable agent and get the real facts and the real information from your agent. Because they have the data, they have the numbers, they have the statistics, and they can guide you best than any article will. Well, and, and you bring up some good points there that, you know, that, that's why you got to see what's happening locally. And, and this yep. is a great segue to, again, plug our guests for next week. So we got David Childers coming on from Keeping Current Matters, and his job is to forecast the market and to give that information to realtors to repurpose the content so that consumers can get the right information. They take that mm-hmm. very personally that you have to do that. So he's going to be on. He's going to be talking about a couple different things, including what's going on in the market, what people can think of. And, you know, you look at I mean, you look at this article here and it's just there's some valid data in here. Whoever wrote the headline, I mean, they'd just be fired immediately. (laughs) It just it's it's ridiculous. So it's it's scary. It's scary for buyers. They see that and they're like. Think about the oh sellers, the though. Sellers that, too, I mean, yeah. it, maybe it's some panic selling where mm-hmm. they're not ready to sell yet. Right. And then all of a sudden, well, we better sell now. The market's going to mm-hmm. bottom out. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know, th- this stuff has a real effect on things. So, mm-hmm. you know, for and, and for a seller, I mean, what do, you, what do you think a seller sees this? What should they be doing? Like, what should, how should they interpret this besides getting the real information? They, like you said, they might panic and think, oh, my gosh, I better so- sell now mm-hmm. because if, if it hits bottom, then all my equity is going to be gone. It's mm-hmm. going to be dried up. Um, and that's not going to be the case. And again, let's get back to the local market. What's happening in your local market? Well, and and there's some price points that are just going to be more challenging than others uh, and and also less challenging. For example, the premium and high end, we know that less than 7% of all the homes that sold over the past uh, year over year, and this number has been very similar, they're less than 650,000. So Mm -hmm. if you have a buyer for your home and you're a seller, and you're at a higher price point, you may want to jump on that uh, because there's only so many people that can afford a home that's a million, two million dollars, mm-hmm. especially knowing the median income in our marketplace is eighty seven thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And most people buy a home that's like four X their annual income. That number's uh, down a bit because rate is so much more affordable. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, at the same time, for sellers, I mean, they've got to think, where am I going to go to next? Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, the three to five range, that's where it gets really competitive. That's where. Right. Right. That's right around our average sale price. That's where you see a lot of moves up or two-income families going there. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and one of the things I know David's going to talk about next week, and I think it's just so important to bring up, and Stacy has not been prepped for this, so I'm, we're laying it on her right now, is that, you know, th- th- what's at stake if someone does make that decision? You talked earlier about what happened when your people waited, oh, and yeah. it cost them 50K. Right. Right? So. Right. What what's at stake here, and we're going to talk about this next week, is that there, there might be like a hundred thousand dollars in equity at stake for people that decide not to buy and they want to wait, mm-hmm. because they're going to keep waiting. They're going to and keep waiting. Yeah. Th- the prices keep going up. Yep. Because until we get to a six month supply, it's not going to be a buyer's market. Mm-hmm. That is documented and proven that that's kind of that even leverage point. And until we get to six, I mean, even a year ago, before before the pandemic, we were like a four month supply which is still really low and competitive. Mm-hmm. 
Now we're at this 1.2, 1.5 month supply because that's kind of the numbers dancing around a little bit. That's where there, there's a lot at stake here. And if those just keep going up and the prices keep going up and you're paying someone else's mortgage, meaning you're yeah. renting, right. or you're in a property, you know you're going to sell. Well, if that goes up, that's great, but you're not going to be there long term. You know, over time, I mean, that, that, that's, that's what's really at stake here. And then you don't even get the financial benefit of owning a home. So, right. you know, right. I mean, I, I, to me, the stakes are really high. And that's why it's kind of irresponsible to put out content like this, especially for mm-hmm. a company like, like MarketWatch. I mean, I couldn't disagree with this more. Yep, I agree. All right. So knowing all this, what's at stake, everything else, what should buyers and sellers be thinking about if they want to move in 2021 or 2022? If they want to move, if they or want to move, they, or it's on their radar, they're mm-hmm. thinking about it. What are going to be some key ways for them to make a decision? I've got one or two, but I want to hear what, you, what you're telling people as well as we wrap up. We got a couple minutes left here, so let's key uh, let, ways let's to make this. their decision. Um, well, definitely find out what you can afford. That way, you can um, you know hone in more on the area and where you want to be, um, and then get with an agent who is knowledgeable about that local market. And learn about the process, learn about, you know, what you can expect going through uh, the buying process. What do you need to know? How, what do, what does the paperwork look like? Um, So I think it's really, really important for buyers, even if you're looking to start in on, in next year, start now. Now is the best time to get started. You know, even if you say it's never, you don't want to start a month before you want to, you know, jump into the market. Um, preparation is key. So get started now. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Do your research. Mm-hmm. You know, start researching areas you want to move to. Mm-hmm. Drive through those neighborhoods. Understand what they're going to be like because you never want to go to a house and you get there and you're like, well, this place sucks. I'm not right. going to, I don't want to, I don't wanna, and you waste all that time. Right. I get your financial house in order. Totally. Is, is a great thing to do. And understand like what you're, what you need to have and like what you're mm-hmm. like to have, but you're not, you, you're, you're okay moving on without. Like there's some people, they got a bunch of kids. They want to make sure they have a master bathroom so they don't have like four or five people using the same bathroom. That's a nightmare. Like that's the kind of stuff that you should really be thinking about. So I would get your financial house in order, mm-hmm. understand the market, drive around the neighborhoods, and just meet with somebody and understand what your goals are and what the process looks like. Right. Exactly. That's a wrap for this week, Stacy. Another epic show. Super excited <laughs> for next week. Again, if you Me want too. us to cover anything, email us at info at tooltimeradio.com. You can follow the live stream on Facebook. Check out our YouTube channel. Just Google it. You can follow Stacy on Instagram at the number two, Mitch, M-I-T-C-H-C-O. Follow me at at TomTool3RD. There's an E at the end of tool, like the third. And we'll be back next week. This is WWDB, 860 AM and Tool Time Real Estate Radio.